Friends, welcome to Leadosophy. I am glad you are here, listening, watching, wherever you may be. You're here with an open mind, which I'm grateful, because that's a rule, not the exception. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about human flourishing. What does it mean to flourish as a human? What is our purpose? Can we flourish collectively? I created a little infographic. Leadosophy likes infographics. If you've watched the show before, you know that. But I created a little infographic talking about four areas where I think we can work together, co-develop this idea of flourishing both individually and then collectively as a group. Some things that maybe we can focus on. I developed a, a couple, a, a list essentially of, of these four different quadrants and things that I think are important. And I, I think everyone can develop their own list, come up with their own ideas based off some ideas that, that I show you in this infographic. So hope you enjoy this show. It's going to be a little theoretical. I'm going to introduce Harvard's Human Flourishing Program. I'm going to show you the website and just kind of read some basic description of, of human flourishing, what it might mean. And then we'll dive into the infographic. So hope you all enjoy this show. Here we go. you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, folks, welcome back to Leadosophy. If you are watching, I have a website up. It's called the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard's Institute for Quantitative Social Science. And I stumbled across this website a few weeks ago when I was, I was doing some research on, on human flourishing. And I was thinking about flourishing kind of in your personal life, flourishing in your professional life. How do, how do you come about this process of, of human flourishing? Is it something you pursue? Is it something, is it a byproduct of just the normal day-to-day -day pursuits of our activities, things we enjoy, actualizing our potential? How does human flourishing come about? And the mission of the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard was founded in 2016. The Human Flourishing Program at Harvard's Institute for Quantitative Social Science aims to study and promote human flourishing and to develop systematic approaches to the synthesis of knowledge across disciplines. And if you're a watcher or a listener of the show, you know Leadosophy is all about knowledge seeking, knowledge acquisition. But what is human flourishing? I think everyone has their own idea of human flourishing. I think everyone pursues this idea some people may pursue this intentionally. Some people may, again, just might be a byproduct of you getting enjoyment out of what you do in life, whether it's hobbies or even your professional, your job. As you maybe promote through the ranks in your organization, maybe that allows you to flourish. Maybe that's your idea of flourishing. I don't think there's one definition of, of human flourishing from person to person. I think it changes. And I think it's not I think there's got to be some sort of maybe standard, but if you're going to study it, obviously from a science standpoint, you got to have some sort of standard that you're, you're seeking and you're trying to develop a theory towards. 
But I think from an individual standpoint, everyone finds their own way or path towards human flourishing. Reading from their website, Harvard's program accomplishes their research, their science, by considering a number of important topics relevant to human flourishing, which may include family, friendship, virtue, community work, beauty, forgiveness, religion, purpose, and meaning. Their program aims to bring together knowledge across disciplines and attempt to in an attempt to integrate such knowledge into a coherent whole with a goal of better understanding of and a capacity to promote human well-being. So you see there very subtly they they interchanged human flourishing with human well-being. If you caught that, I agree those terms may be synonymous, but again, when they list the different areas or the topics relevant to human flourishing, it says it may include that list can grow and everyone's list may be different as far as importance, what's important to some religion may be important to somebody, spiritual well-being. Some people may not be religious and pursue other modes of well-being or things that promote well-being. But I created an infographic and I guess it was based off my understanding of what I have read about human flourishing, my practical application in my day-to-day life over the course of, of my professional career and my personal life, my failures, which have been many, a lot of personal failures, a lot of trial and error, a lot of stumbling, a lot of hitting roadblocks, trying to get around them, some roadblocks I, were not, I was not able to get around. But I think that's all part of the human flourishing process. I came up with the, I call it the GUPS model, GUPS is an acronym. Many organizations love acronyms. The military loves acronyms. GUPS, G-U-P-S, stands for Give, Understand, Pursue, and Show. And again, if you're if you're just listening, you're not watching, the infographic I have up, I have a basically a, a cycled circle with four different quadrants. And I don't think any one quadrant is necessarily more important than the other. I think they, it's an interplay between all four quadrants. But in the middle of the quadrant, I have a very simple title. It says, Co-Develop the Self and Others. So from this cycle in these four quadrants, what I put down, I'm going to go down through the list of each quadrant, what's in each quadrant. These are things that we work on every day on ourselves. We work on with others. We work on in team dynamics. We work on in personal relationships. We're giving, we're trying to understand, we're pursuing certain things and we're showing certain emotions or emotive qualities that may enhance relationships or even enhance the this idea of, of human flourishing and then collective human flourishing. I can talk about this entire infographic. I know this is leadosophy and we talk a lot about leadership, but I feel like I can discuss this entire infographic with, without ever mentioning the word leadership. Because I just I, I think these are things that we can do or areas we can focus on day in and day out. And through the process of focusing on these areas and in, in the four quadrants of giving, understanding, pursuing, and showing, we will just naturally enhance our sphere of influence, people within our sphere of influence. And this could be in the workplace. This could be 
at home. This can be out within the community. And leadership will just happen organically. It'll happen naturally. We don't have to try to define leadership. We don't have to try to say what leadership is. We can just focus on the human flourishing idea, this idea of human flourishing. And then again, or leadership just happens organically. It's a byproduct. People will gravitate towards us. You'll gravitate towards a certain leader if they're promoting some of these, these ideas. So again, four quadrants. Within the first quadrant of giving, or give, of the GUPS acronym. And again, I want to stress that everyone's list might be different. These are some things, right? Some ideas that I just came up with for each quadrant. But I think in our day-to-day lives, again, whether you're, whether you're in the workplace setting or you're at home or in community, and this is kind of, I guess, a kind of playoff servant leadership. You know, servant leadership is a theory. It's a theoretical model of how people may lead from a very servant uh, frame or angle, always trying to give more than they take. I think that's important. You can't always give. You know, if, if you're giving, someone has to be taking. But I think the important thing about the give category is it's not necessarily, does not, does not, have, does not have to be transactional. It doesn't have to be, I give you something and expect something in return. It's just in our day-to-day interactions with others, we can give things like advice, direction, knowledge, tools and resources. I've done a show in the past about KTR, knowledge, tools, and resources in the workplace, providing your those who work with you, those who work for you, knowledge, tools, and resources to better understand their job, to better flourish within their job, to pursue mastery within their job, removing barriers from them. But KTR, knowledge, tools, and resources. Mentorship. How many of you, how many out there have, have served as a mentor to somebody, maybe in their pursuits of whatever craft they're, they're trying to do, or maybe someone trying to get in, get into school, into a college. You're giving them mentorship. You're giving them advice. I think we can give vision. Really important in the workplace, providing vision. What's the roadmap? What's our roadmap? Where's our journey taking us? What are we trying to accomplish? And then the last three items in the giving category are opportunities, recognition, and space. And I just want to briefly talk about the last three. Recognition is obviously huge. I probably should have had that at the top of the list or near the top of the list. But showing people or, or giving them, you know, even something simple as a thank you goes a long way. Formal recognition is, is big in the workplace as well. Uh, public recognition is always big. People like to know. I don't know how... I mean, there's a lot of research from a, from a leadership and psych, psych, psychological standpoint about recognition and how important employees feel about recognition. It's pretty high from the different studies I've read about recognition, but I don't know if it's the end-all, be-all. I don't know if it's the, it's the first thing people look for. I think if someone is really, I think if someone really enjoys what they do, I don't know how much recognition fuels their fire. I'm sure it helps. 
occasionally to know that they are on the right course. They are doing something productive. Uh, I've said this many times, my boss uh, at work, she is, she always says thank you. She always tells me how she's always very appreciative and grateful of, of things I do for the organization and, uh, and for her. So, and it does make me feel good. So recognition is, is big, but opportunities, we can give opportunities. And I think that's, if someone is going to flourish, whether in their personal life or professional life, they have to have opportunities to grow. And that goes with the space. They have to have the space and the opportunities to grow. You got to give them space to try new ideas, to fail. I think that's important. Failures are important. We, we don't like to fail. I mean, that's obvious. But when we do fail, it's a learning moment. It's a teachable moment. And we can grow from those experiences. So that's, those are the 10 ideas I have in the give category. If we move over to the U, which stands for understand, I have on the list values, assumptions, processes, behavior. And by behavior, I mean, why do humans do what they do? And obviously, this is very into, into social science, psycholo- psych- psychology, things like that. But when, you're, when we're constantly around other humans, especially in the workplace, it's always, I think it's, you know, pursuing knowledge. I've talked about pursuing knowledge, but understanding why we do what we do. And we all know that humans don't always act rational. But I think there's a lot of times we can see humans strive for a, for a certain goals or fail. And if we have a basic understanding of, of why, what behaviors they are showing, we can better understand maybe why they failed or why the relationship isn't quite turning out like we thought it was going to. Everybody's different. We can understand transcendence. And again, I think transcendence is, is closely linked or maybe a kissing cousin of, of flourishing. Transcending through I think our purpose, trying to find what motivates us intrinsically, building upon that. I think we better understand our craft, technical competence. I've, I've talked about this often. What are our strengths and limitations? I think we have a better understanding of our own strengths. We can build upon those strengths. And if we have a better understanding of our limitations, we can find a way to turn those limitations into strengths or just at a base level be cognizant that we all have limitations. And those, that, those limitations are closely tied to our knowledge limitations. You know, one of the, I've talked about biases before. One of the biases is we tend to think we know more than we actually know. And that can get us into trouble. So what, of our, what, are, what are our limitations on knowledge? And then again, maybe we have physical limitations, whatever they may be. And then understanding our worldview and our purpose. And I talked to the, actually the last episode, I talked about mental models, which is kind of another term for our worldview, which our worldview is made up of our values and assumptions that we bring to the table. And then what is our purpose? What is our life's pur- purpose? You know, the purpose of a knife is to cut well. What is the purpose of a human? And again, I think everyone discovers their own purpose, maybe we never truly discover our purpose. Maybe we discover our purpose at the very end of life. So that's give, understand. The third category is pursue. 
pursuing knowledge, clarity. And when I wrote down clarity, I didn't know why I wrote clarity down. And as I still work this out, again, this is, this is Tim's list, right? You may develop your own list. But when I, when I typed out clarity, I think I had this idea of life sometimes or tends to be a complex mess. So I think the mind doesn't like messiness. It likes order, neatness. So trying to find clarity, maybe we're trying to find clarity in our purpose. Maybe we're trying to find clarity in our strengths. Maybe we don't know what our strengths are. We're trying to understand our strengths, but you know, we may be, you know, may have a little bit of imposter bias. We're like, we don't, I don't really have any strengths. So trying to find some clarity in, in what our strengths may be. I think pursue and understand of the GUPS model, I think they may be closely linked. And I think clarity also goes to problem solving. You know, how often are we dealt with complex problems that we're trying to simplify them, trying to bring them more into focus so we can solve them, maybe pull, the, pull those problems apart, examine the contents and put it back together into a solution. I think we also are pursuing relationships, expectations, and feedback. By relationships, again, professional, personal, how deep do we want to go on those relationships? And I talk about this, especially as it applies to the workplace. I think the deeper we're, we're able to go in relationships, it may enhance the, the team dynamics within the, in the workplace. And again, everyone has a different comfort level as far as how, how far they want to deepen those relationships in the workplace. Expectations and feedback. I think expectations are important. And again, professional, personal life, it matters not. But expectations in the workplace are huge. If we want to establish goals, if we want to understand how a process works or how it's supposed to work, we have to have some sort of expectations of how that's supposed to go. What goals are we supposed to be striving towards? Maybe in our job. Maybe the goals that we think we're supposed to be striving for, our bosses, that's not their idea of the goals they want you striving for or the organization's goals in general. Maybe we're not in alignment. So what are those expectations? What are the expectations of, of those around you? Again, even in a personal relationship, are expectations aligned or are they misaligned? And then feedback. We should always pursue feedback. I believe pursuing feedback is, is important. It may be more important to others than... than uh, for some than others. But how do we know we're, we're achieving a goal, we're striving towards a goal? How do we know that we are positively enhancing a relationship? How do we know that we are providing good mentorship, we are providing good guidance? How do we know that we're having a negative effect on somebody? We don't know unless we get feedback. Or we don't always know unless we get feedback. Feedback's important. And then the last category, the last quadrant is, is show. And this is, I think, one of those lists that can look completely different from, from everybody. But I have five ideas up here for show. And that's authenticity, authenticity, optimism, confidence, empathy, and curiosity. Authenticity 
I read a book once by a author named Parker Palmer, and he talked about how we often wear different masks based on what setting we're in. Maybe we wear a different mask when we're in the workplace than we do at home. Maybe we feel we have to act like someone else. And I think we've all experienced that from time to time. I know I do. How can you, how can we closely, more closely align the one mask or just take our mask off completely and just be who we are and not be afraid to be who we are? I think that's a little bit of, of authenticity. Being transparent on our expectations. Being transparent if there are problems. Not being afraid to give somebody bad news. Bad news doesn't get better with time. So authenticity is, is a big one. And optimism. I think we tend to be, maybe tend to trend more towards being pessimistic or you know, looking at the glass half empty. This is an area I can definitely improve on, being more optimistic. Confidence is a big one. Confidence, I believe, grows with, with knowledge. Trying and failing. Trying new skills, putting yourselves into uncomfortable positions and succeeding. Getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And again, confidence grows differently for everybody. Everyone grows confidence. And some people really, really struggle with, with confidence and developing confidence. When I first started this podcast three, four months ago, I had almost zero confidence. And it wasn't that I thought I was going to fail. I wasn't really worried about it failing. It was just putting myself out there, my ideas, and worrying about how people may judge how I think. And again, a little bit of a maybe imposter bias. Maybe I'm talking about a weighty, a weighty subject like leadership and I'm trying to mix in philosophy. And I've, ne- I've never been really confident on, on myself as a philosopher. I've always had this idea that I'm not smart enough to be a philosopher. I've read some of these scholarly papers on, on from very, I mean, you read all these, these philosophers, you know, Western philosophy, Eastern philosophy, these great thinkers and from my standpoint, reading some of the stuff, it's like, I can't think like that. I'm not at that level. So there's definitely been a confidence thing there for me. And again, we all have areas where we're more confident in and areas we have left, we're less confident in. And then the last two areas are empathy and curiosity. I think empathy goes a long way, not to be confused with sympathy. I think the good thing about empathy is you're trying to look through the eyes of, of the person who may be going through a hard time or whatever, and you're trying to help them get through that. And even empathy as far as, you know, if you have a discipline issue, you know, I can think of, you know, when my kids were younger, when you had to discipline your kids, instead of disciplining them with kind of a cold heart, if you're, if you're disciplining them through the lens of empathy, you can think you can think back like I can remember getting in trouble for this. I remember what it felt like. I remember how bad I felt. I remember how scared I was. So when you're thinking about those experiences, your own experiences, I think it can help when you're dealing with hard situations. Maybe with maybe with a coworker, maybe with, you know, a personal relationship. I think it's important to show curiosity as a very last one and then we'll we'll kind of wrap this up. 
curiosity keeps us from, from locking our mind up to other ideas, other solutions, other plans, trying to understand what other people think, their ideas, their thoughts, their worldview, their assumptions, their values, and trying to maybe bring some alignment with some of those. We don't have to agree with everybody, but having enough curiosity to to want to listen to what they have to say, to what they're thinking, is very important, at least for me anyways. So that's it, folks. That's the GUPS model. I titled it a strategy for collective human flourishing. Maybe kind of silly, but I enjoyed putting the infographic together. I like the infographics. And again, this is this is deepening understanding of, of leadership using the tools of philosophical thought. So that's what, what I tried to do in the creation of this infographic. I tried to come up with some ideas on how we can flourish collectively together as humans, wherever that space may be. Again, might be the workplace, might be out in the community, might just be at home. But how do we do that? And again, if we are working on, if we keep this idea of, of human flour- flourishing at the forefront of our minds, I think it can go a long way. I encourage you to check out that website on, on Harvard's Human Flourishing Project. I'll put the link in the show notes. I appreciate every, appreciate everybody watching today. If you watched, if you listened, I appreciate that as well. Remember, again, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. This definitely applies to just life in general. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.